when I am uh, on the run and have to get a message out to somebody very quickly, I've learned to appreciate the uh, voice feature of text messaging where you speak uh, into your phone. You know the feature in which you simply speak into your phone and as you speak, the words are typed in, in for you. While the concept is great, I don't know about you, but my phone some, sometimes seems to get what I'm saying all wrong. For example, the other day, I spoke this into my phone to a message, uh, to phone, into my phone to message a friend. And what I said was this, uh, hi Tom, uh, I hope all's well. I'd love to connect, what's your schedule? Can we grab a bite to eat this week? Please say hi to your lovely bride for me. Talk soon. Best, Robert. I, I thought I was very clear. But soon after the message was sent, which I did not look at, my friend simply texted me back five question marks. So puzzled, I looked at my text, and soon I understood why. What the voice feature thought I had said was, hide, Tom. Hop into the well. <laughs> Love our connection. What's your ridicule? And the next part, I totally didn't get it. said, can we bite this week? <laughs> and, and then it went on, please say hi to your lonely bride. <laughs> Me, soon. Robert's the best. <laughs> I actually kind of like that last part. <laughs> the phone finally understood me. So I am uh, learning to use the voice feature of texting very sparingly now as I don't like being misunderstood. Anyway, speaking of messaging, I, I've been intrigued with a specific way of communicating that is not used much anymore. And I have friends at Sale that are actually experts in this, this kind of communication. And what I'm talking about is semaphore. Semaphore, according to one definition, is a method of visually signaling messages, often with flags. And often such signaling was done between ships at sea. And the reason I thought of this is because I've been thinking a lot about peace lately. And what I'd forgotten about is that the peace symbol we're all familiar with is tied to symbols used in semaphore. See, in 1958, a British fellow created the peace symbol. He was part of the nuclear disarmament movement in Britain, and he came up with an image that is based on naval semaphore flags. He combined the signal for the letter N with the signal for the letter D to stand for nuclear disarmament. And that, that's the history. And it's based on that image that he, that he came up with two semaphore letters to make up the peace symbol we all know today that is still used today. And I guess as I think about all this, I've been thinking about peace a lot because I pray every day that our country somehow, somehow can move to a place of inner peace. I pray that one day we will live in a world of peace because it's what God intends. I pray every day that each of us in our lives will find an inner lasting peace that, that passes all understanding, even in the midst of our turmoil. And I pray that 
for all of us that peace, as followers of Jesus, will characterize the essence of who we are. That peace will characterize how you and I show up in the world in conversations with people. That peace will show up in the attitudes that we hold, in the positions that we take, and the relationships we have with one another, especially with those with whom we have vastly different opinions. I pray for that kind of peace for the world, for the nation, for all of us every day, because that's what God seeks. Now, peace is a huge topic in the Bible. Jesus one day said, I have told you everything I have shared with you so that you may have peace. What he's saying is everything I've taught you in part is so that you can have peace as you go through this life. Paul wrote, live peaceably with all people. And this is the same Paul who was terribly persecuted. In the letter to the Colossian people, we find, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. And from the book of Proverbs, we find when we please the Lord, in other words, when we make God pleased with us, we make peace with our enemies. Imagine if that was the way the world was, where everybody was making peace with their enemies. And from the book of Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you peace. And these are just a few examples from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses in both the Old and the New Testaments. Now with regard to the Old Testament, one person writes peace in the Old Testament, in other words in Hebrew, is conveyed by that beautiful word shalom. The word shalom means not only peace, but it means completeness, soundness, welfare. It means to make whole or to make amends. And as we know, the beautiful word of shalom, which stands for peace, is often used as a means of saying to a person, shalom, may, may you be well. What, what a great greeting. And the New Testament, the Greek word for, used for peace means oneness, and again, wholeness or quietness, rest, to tie together into a whole, soundness. Now, the word for peace, as one person notes, the word for peace that I've just explained, and more specifically, the peace of God, is different than the peace of the world. Biblical peace is more than just the absence of conflict or the cessation of conflict. Biblical peace is taking action to restore a broken situation. It is a sense of wholeness and completeness. And biblical peace is all about peace with God, peace with other people, and sometimes the hardest place to find peace of all peace within ourselves. Well, I know for me, I could use a, a, a big dose of peace right now. There's so many things and so many voices that bombard me day in and day out that seemingly are working to take away peace from me. They're seemingly working to take me away from a, from a place of peace, the kind of peace that God seeks for us. 
And my hunch is that this morning is that there's some of you who may be looking for some peace within yourselves, some peace with others, some peace with God, some peace in our country, especially in a time in history when it feels so hard to find such peace. Well, this morning I began actually a, a short two-part series on peace. And I'm going to speak more about peace next week. But to help us get into peace and to help us steer toward peace, I want to use some of the best-known words of Scripture that I believe God has given us to lead us to peace. You see, when we understand the words I'm going to talk about, when we reflect upon these words, when we pray these words, when we learn to make our daily lives about these words, we're going to end up in a place of peace if we live these words and trust these words. Now, the words I'm referring to are the words of the 23rd Psalm. I talk about this psalm a lot, and I have in all kinds of settings over the years I've been here not only because they're compelling, but because they're transforming. And I've realized now, really, maybe even for the first time, that they can lead us to a place of peace if we live them. So this morning, I'd like to take a few moments and explore line by line with you the 23rd Psalm. We're going to get through just a few of the verses this morning. Now, we know that, and you all know, that the 23rd Psalm is probably the most requested Biblical, uh, biblical words that are requested at funerals and memorials. And there's good reason for that. I mean, it's very appropriate. Fear no evil, even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So it's very appropriate. But it's, it's so important to remember that the psalm is not only about death and our fear of death, but the psalm really is about life now. It's about life right now, in the moment, whatever that moment might entail, even difficulties, even lack of peace. And Psalm 23, if we let it, if we learn to live it, can be like the voice of one who loves us enough to bring us back to who we were meant to be, which is in a space with God that is peaceful. Now, we all believe, most people believe, King David wrote this psalm, and he wrote it during an extraordinarily difficult time, anything but peaceful time. We know David's life was threatened. We know that he nearly lost his kingdom. We know that his son betrayed him. We know that there were quite a few people that wanted to kill him. Yet, it is David, with all of these experiences, that writes these words that led him to a sense of not only trusting God, but to a place of peace and can lead us to that same place as well. So David's background clearly colored and informed the words that he wrote with God's inspiration. Now, what I want to share today comes from a variety of sources. Uh, but today, and I have some other sources I'm going to use next week, but for today, my primary source is something I've talked about before. is from a little book that I love to read, and it's the title. Maybe you've heard it, read it. The Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. 
written by Philip Keller, who labored for years as a shepherd. So as a shepherd, he wrote about Psalm 23. It's really great, it's small, it's powerful. And so with all that I've said in mind thus far, let's begin and dig into the psalm. Well, the psalm begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. These are really extraordinary words because the way that, that, that I've come to think about a shepherd is by actually in the power of a shepherd and the power of God and the power of Jesus, the way I've gotten to that in part is by looking at the night sky. We have a magnificent night sky here, as you all know. And I just want you for a moment to imagine the vast universe. Just picture looking up at the Milky Way. And think about the universe and what we know about its age, its, its size, its immensity, its absolutely spectacular beauty and wonder. Think about the fact that God created it. It is so vast, so incomprehensible, so massive. Yeah, it is his creator God who came to us in a particular time, in a particular place, in a very tiny, tiny land as Jesus. It's extraordinary if you think about it, that this creator of all that we see in the sky, the vastness, the size, came to us as Jesus. And it is Jesus, the face of our creator God, who takes a deep personal interest in you right now. And God, the psalm tells us, this God who came to us, this creator God, came to us like a shepherd. Meaning we acknowledge that God wholly owns us, guides us, leads us. And it is God, our shepherd, to whom we can completely, utterly, and without hesitation depend upon. And when we allow God to be our shepherd, we, like sheep following a shepherd, are likewise willing to follow, to follow God, to intentionally give control of everything in our lives over to God, to yield to God, and to turn our path over to God. And so whatever is happening, good or bad, we're all invited by our shepherd, by our creator, to give it all to God, to put our ultimate trust in that shepherd. It's an extraordinary way to think about a shepherd, from taking it from a a particular person in a field to the creator and linking the two and thinking that that's who we are following. A part of the next line reads, I shall not want. Now sheep move over vast amounts of territory, and throughout the year, sheep The shepherd leads the sheep to sources of food from deep valleys to the sides and to the tops of mountains. And like sheep, we too continually are on the move, going through various seasons in life. And it's along our journey, wherever it takes us, that Psalm 23 reminds us that we shall not want. Want. It's a big word, even though it's short. Israel, the the setting for Psalm 23, as many of you know, and especially those of you who have been there, is dry in many places, very arid in many places. And when you go to Israel and you see current-day shepherds, 
in this arid, dry land. You see them leading sheep along what looks like very dusty trails along the sides of hills. But if you look closely at those dusty trails, you have to get up close to see it, next to and alongside those dusty trails are very small clumps of wild grasses. Now the shepherd leads the sheep along these trails, keeps them moving from green clump of grass to green clump of grass to green clump of grass. In other words, the shepherd is making sure that the sheep's immediate needs are met. What they really need, those needs are met. Not their needs for the next day, not the needs for hours ahead, but for the very specific needs as they walk along that trail. Not their needs for the next week or the next month or the next day, but their immediate needs for the moment. And they're met because they're following the shepherd who takes them from green clump of grass to green clump of grass. And so what this is a reminder and what David understood and what this tells us about gaining peace is to do what many of us hear all the time, and that is to stay in the moment. Peace is to be found by living in the moment. If we can trust the shepherd, we will find what we need for right now, for this moment, for this second. We will find what we truly need given to us by our shepherd, by Jesus. The hard thing, of course, well, at least it is for me, maybe it's not for you, but the hard thing for me is learning to stay in the moment today, right now, and to learn to see what I need through the eyes of the shepherd and not to focus on tomorrow or the next day and certainly not to focus on yesterday. When we do this, of course, we discover a profound sense of peace. So you can see how this psalm is building. We're, we're following this creator, this vast creator, who is very particular and very particular in our lives. We're following this shepherd that we can trust. This shepherd who is with us as we're taking step by step, meeting each need of each moment. And the psalm continues to build. The next line is, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep need to rest. They need to lie down. And Keller writes in adapted form, four things have to happen for a sheep to lie down. A sheep has to be free from fear, free from conflict with other sheep, free from insects and aggravations, and free from hunger. Free from fear, free from conflict, free from aggravation, and free from hunger. Now only the shepherd, not the sheep, in a literal way, can make sure these four things are in place. Now think about that image, and David knew as a shepherd. It is the shepherd who can help the sheep be free from fear, not the sheep themselves. It is the shepherd who can help the sheep deal with conflict. It is the shepherd who removes aggravation. It is the shepherd who deals with hunger. So as human beings, it strikes me that we need the same four things, literally or metaphorically, to have peace and to rest. 
Now Keller, in adapted form, goes on about these four things. He says, we live with uncertainty in life. Any hour can bring about any change. No one can tell what a day will produce. We can live either with fear or with confidence. In our fears, we need to become aware that the shepherd is with us, that Christ is within us. And it is then that we can relax knowing that the shepherd is in control, not we, but the shepherd. He goes on to write, the shepherd's job is also to reduce conflict between sheep. Psalm 23 invites us like sheep to turn conflicts over to God, to allow Christ to restore things and to trust that the shepherd can, that God can deal with the conflicts that trouble us. And as I was thinking about these lines, I, I was picturing America, I was picturing Washington, D.C., I was picturing all the political in, infighting, I was just hearing that me, 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 me. <laughs> it's like a bunch of sheep. And it's, we need to yield, we need to let go of that and, and turn that over to God who can reduce that conflict. Keller continues, a, a shepherd applies a, a variety of natural repellents to the sheep to keep insects away. Our shepherd does the same thing. Our shepherd repels aggravations and instead brings us, Keller writes, quietness, serenity, strength, and calmness, and peace. And in the face of frustrations and futility, we will find such things if we allow him to and we focus upon him. And a shepherd also does something else. Remember, freedom from fear, freedom from conflict, freedom from aggravation, but also taking care of hunger. Keller writes, a shepherd keeps the hunger of his flock at bay while leading his sheep. The shepherd makes sure his sheep have food. Like sheep, we too need food, but our food is the word of God. Keller writes that Psalm 23 invites us to be like a sheep chewing its cud, but instead what we're chewing on and meditating upon is scripture that that's where we find our hunger met. Scripture and spending time with it is what satisfies our deep hungers and leads us to a place of peace. Well, there's a lot more to say about all of this, and this is probably enough for today, but I want to just wrap with these few things and some takeaways. Think of the image of the shepherd. Think of you in your own life right now. What, what, what do you need to yield to in life? Or what do you yield to in life? Where are you placing your faith? Who do you trust? What do you trust? The Psalm is inviting us once again and every day to ask ourselves, am I gonna put my full trust in God? The Psalm invites us to spend time with God asking God, even if we have deep faith, to make it even deeper. Even if we have strong faith, to make it even stronger. To ask God to help us to follow God more closely. To follow the shepherd, not go out on it alone. The next part of the psalm that we got into really asks us to pay attention to where we're focusing our time. Is, is it really in the moment with God? It's in the past. Is it in the present or is it now? Remembering the shepherd leading sheep from clump of grass to clump of grass, taking care of moment-to-moment -moment needs. 
And this idea invites us to spend time with God, asking God to help us spend our energy. God, help me focus on the moment, not what's next. And finally for today, the psalm invites us to explore what it is that we're afraid of, who it is that we're in conflict with, what is aggravating us, what we think our hungers are, what we're afraid of, what we're in conflict with, or who, what we're aggravated about, what we're hungering for. And the psalm invites us, again, to, to spend time with the shepherd, asking our shepherd to help us with our fear, to help us with our conflicts and aggravations and our hunger. And I believe when we do these things, and we really take these words of these psalms in, just these first few verses, just for this week, that we'll begin or continue on a journey toward following and finding peace in our lives. And to wrap up today, um, I want us to pray, but I'd like us to look at the words of Psalm 23. I assume they're on the screen. Now they are, okay. So I'll, I'll read each verse, and then you can read it after me. We're going to take it just one verse at a time and just allow what we've talked about to kind of inform your images as we go along. So let us begin, and I'll, I'll read, and then you can repeat. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs> 